0: Today is from Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and Luke 9, 1 to 3. And you can see the pages 916 and 900. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do the people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. And then we go to Luke chapter 9. One to three. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Christine. So we welcome Catherine Price to speak to us this morning. Um, may I pray for you? Yes. <laughs> Father God, we open our hearts and our minds to you this morning. May we hear what is on your heart for us. Amen. On the handheld. Yep, lovely. Good morning. Again. <laughs> so, as Jesus rode on a borrowed donkey on Palm Sunday, some shouted praise; others, with loud critical voices, shouted condemnation. But regardless, Jesus, the light of the world, rode on, shining like a beacon to those around him. Jesus, simply being Jesus even knowing that the loud critical voices would win for a time, did not hide his light. Jesus proclaimed to his followers that they, that we, are the light of the world, that they, we, are the salt of the earth. Just as Jesus on the donkey was a beacon, we too, like beacons, are looked at. So what we do, what we say, matters. In Jesus' time on earth, every home, however poor, would use salt and light. And using them as metaphors for how we should behave would have been easily understood by his disciples. These days, though, salt gets a lot of bad press. It is very cheap, very readily available, and can be very bad for our blood pressure. But maybe salt is not deserving of its bad name. When Jesus talked of being the salt of the earth, there were perhaps many of the properties of salt that he was referring to. Because as easy as it is to come by nowadays, in Jesus' time, salt had long been a hugely valuable commodity. Our word salary is directly derived from the word salt and in fact means salt money. Salt was so valuable that the wages allotted to Roman soldiers was to enable them to buy salt. And we, like salt, are of great value, both to God, but also in the influence we can have on the world. Salt has many uses, and it may be that Jesus was thinking of some of these when he provided us with a guide on how we as Christians can influence and engage with the world he loves so much. Before refrigeration, salt was used, and in some cases is still used, for the preservation of meat and other foods. Salt was important in the prevention of decay, so that food could be edible for a longer period. As Christians, we can act as a type of moral preservative, by both slowing decay and promoting life by revealing the kingdom of God in our world. Through our daily lives, we can promote justice, mercy, decency, and integrity where we are, in our homes, our social circles, and our workplaces. After all, you can't blame unsalted meat for going bad. It cannot do anything else. The real question is, where was the salt? Salt adds flavor, stops food from being bland. And Paul talks of how our conversation should always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. The words we say should bring flavor to the bland, hope to the hopeless, life to the lifeless. The Bible is clear. That the words that come from our mouths should be wholesome, beneficial, and to build others up. People should hear Jesus in the words we speak. In the part of the world where Jesus lived, salt was collected from around the Dead Sea, where the salt crystals were contaminated with other min- minerals. There were no refineries, and this substance was full of impurities. If it were to rain, the salt could easily be washed out. And when this happened, it still looked like salt, but it did not taste or act like salt and was thrown away. Of course, we still throw salt on our icy paths in icy conditions these days. But the salt that we use retains its saltiness and it makes paths safe. You and me, being salt, being light, have the ability to create a safer world by promoting justice, supporting those in unsafe situations into a safer life, such as the wonderful work that goes on in Goma, or the food bank, or the children supported by compassion. Being salt, we have the ability to melt ice, to speak friendship and reconciliation. Being salt, we have the ability to soften, to break down walls and soften hardened hearts. Salt is used for cleaning, whether that's removing scum from old vases or cleaning wounds and clearing congestion. Our words and actions can promote God's cleansing from sin, his forgiveness and restoration. Because despite the bad press, salt positively affects our health. In fact, without salt, we cannot survive. Every one of us has salt running through our veins. It is life-giving. Were you to be connected to an intravenous drip containing only water, the outcome would be catastrophic. Yet the addition of just a tiny amount of salt can restore health and bring healing. Spiritually, every one of us needs salt to function healthily. As Christians in our social circles, our families and workplaces, we have the capacity to be the salt, to bring healing through the power of God. As we speak forgiveness, reconciliation, hope, peace and love, Healing influence on our small corner of the world can be life changing. Perhaps most of, importantly of all, though, salt makes us thirsty. When we live as the salt of the earth, we make others thirsty for the living water of Christ. The account of Jesus' meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well in John's Gospel demonstrates this beautifully. A tired Jesus, sitting down for a rest, engaging in a conversation which many would have frowned upon, with a woman who is understandably wary. But the challenge revealed Jesus' divine identity and led to many in the town becoming believers. Thirsty for the living water. And we too can reveal Jesus to make people thirsty for Him. But sometimes, though, we don't want to be salt. We don't want to be light. We want to hide. Sometimes we actively want to withhold doing the right thing. Sometimes we want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to be seen. John Ortberg rather challengingly writes that perhaps the most frequently said but least acknowledged prayer of our hearts is this, don't look at me God. As we pretend not to see a person in need, as we engage in conversation or actions we know are not godly, as we do what is convenient or easy, not what is right, don't look at me God. You and I are the salt of the earth. You and I are the light of the world. But there is a condition on which those things depend. Salt must remain salty. Light must shine. How do we retain our saltiness? How do we make our flame burn brighter? Just as Jesus took time to rest or retreat and take time to be with God, we should do the same to spend time to understand the Bible and the character and promises of God. As we've talked of before, to seek out the thin places where we feel particularly close to God. Making our own spiritual health a priority. Maintaining our own salt balance. Sometimes though, it comes down to a matter of choice. We have to choose to open the salt cellar. To display the light. To be obedient to our identity. (coughs) How do we live as the light of the world? By allowing ourselves to be seen. Whenever the church becomes a light bulb warehouse, it is missed out on the point that the light must shine in the darkness to have an effect As Bonhoeffer said, flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. One of the most powerful testimonies I've heard recently was from a man who had no church background at all. He had a wife and a toddler who went to a toddler group held at a local church and that was the limit of their involvement. One day his wife became acutely and critically unwell. The church arranged a meal rotor and took him food for several days. His wife recovered, but that act was something so surprising and so alien to him, he began going to church and has long since been an ordained minister a shepherd's pie can change the world how do we live as the salt of the earth the influence of christians as julie just said depends depends on us being distinct not identical to the rest of the world if we are indistinguishable we are useless And there is no point unless we take the lid off the container. Salt does not do any good while sitting in a salt cellar. To be an effective preservative, salt must be rubbed into the meat. To make an icy path safe, it must be sprinkled on the ground. To bring healing, it must be added to an intravenous drip. Whenever the church has become a salt warehouse, it has missed out on the point that salt must make contact to have an effect. And it can be challenging because we are not the honeypot of the world, but the salt, and salt can be unpalatable for some. With kindness we should condemn what is false and evil and stand boldly for what is true, good and decent. We cannot opt out of seeking to create better social structures, promoting justice and civil rights, and trying to improve our world. Our actions actions should not be and need not be ostentatious, but small conversations, choices over the bananas we buy, gentle words of encouragement or challenge. For to live the salt, to live the light, is an act of worship Required of us. Isaiah 58 makes it very clear that piety and learning and simply turning up in the house of God, wearing the right clothes and going through the motions, while still bickering and quarrelling and not transferring faith into action, is not the worship God requires. The hungry should be fed. The homeless sheltered, the naked clothed, the oppressed freed, rumours stopped. The Sabbath enjoyed, families supported and chains removed. This is the worship the Lord requires of us. For then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Our worship of God far from begins and ends in this place. Holding the hand of a sick relative is an act of worship. A gentle challenge to those who speak gossip or discouragement is an act of worship. Going out of your way to buy fair trade bananas is an act of worship. Writing to your MP to highlight concerns about something that perhaps has no impact on you But causes harm to the vulnerable, the poor, or the sick, is an act of worship. Engaging with the world that God loves so much is an act of worship. A shepherd's pie can change the world.